how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re- I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 428, where I sat down with Peter Gould, a screenwriter for Breaking Bad and the creator of AMC's Better Call Saul. Maybe this goes without saying, but if you haven't seen both finales of those shows, you may want to wait until you've seen those before you listen to this full interview as we do get into some nitty-gritty of the ending of both series. So here we talk about what it was like to create this show based on Breaking Bad, what the predetermined timelines that were already set in place about those major characters, how to extend some storylines like we did with obviously Mike and Gus and Saul, but also bringing back Jesse and Walter from time to time. Some surprises like how much Kim Wexler changed the series and how they came up with the ending along with some inspirations that inspired the ending of this final episode of Better Call Saul. In the beginning and end of this, uh, Peter asked me about Daredevil Society. The reason he asked me is because what you can't see is there is a big poster behind me. That's a documentary I'm working on. You can find out more about that at daredevilsociety.com. This interview will also be coming soon to Creative Screenwriting. You can look at the print version, and I'll be linking some of the references we talk about in that interview. But enough chit-chat. Let's jump in. Here is my conversation with Peter Gould. Okay. What's Daredevil Society? Oh, I, I can't take your time on that. Uh, it's a, it's actually a movie I'm working on about. Oh, yeah? Uh, it's a documentary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, let's jump into let's jump into Saul here. So tell me about like moving from Breaking Bad to Saul. Did you always, I mean, I imagine you had to plan kind of a past, present, future timelines. Uh, yeah. You know, the way it's interesting, the beginning the two shows was very different, at least for me. Uh, you know, it, it, when we started Breaking Bad, when, when the writer's room opened, Vince had already shot and edited the pilot. So we were able to look at the pilot. We knew what the, we knew where the story began. And uh, in a lot of ways, though, we didn't, we were still discovering who Walter White was. Hmm. Uh, it was uh, there were some big surprises to us. Better Call Saul was a very unusual circumstance because um, we we uh, opened a writer's room and what we what Vince and I had written was probably a two page pitch of what the show would be and it was a completely different show from the one that you saw and so the first thing that we did was well we had a question there's a question that, that Vince and I came up with really early on which was uh, what problem does becoming Saul Goodman solve. So, and, and I don't think we really had an answer to that. So we started just asking ourselves, well, what was, what was this guy's background? Where's he from? How do you become Saul Goodman? What was, what was it? And so we, we basically in the writer's room, we had a lot of images and we, and we all, but we also talked very linearly about what was, what was his life? Where was he born? What was this? And that was in a way that we hadn't done with Walter White at all. We kind of discovered that as we, as we went along and we didn't know where we were going to begin. And I think that the big, one of the big moments for us was when we said, Oh, well, let's start with the, the years where he's uh, working from the back of a nail salon. That seems like a good place to start. And so that, that was, um, you were talking about timeline. That was, that was definitely uh, on our minds, but having said that uh, 
the glorious thing about this kind of work is that you get to discover the story as you go along. You can have all kinds of big ideas and you kind of need to have some big ideas about where you think it's going and what it's going to be and where it's going to end. You kind of have to at least have a thought about that, but you just, you find it changes completely as you go. And, uh, you know, for instance, we had no idea how important Kim Wexler was going to be when we started the first episode. Uh, we didn't know what her story was. We had no idea. We thought we knew what the relationship was going to be with Chuck, Chuck, uh, Jimmy's older brother. But as, as it worked out, <laughs> that, that changed a lot from our initial ideas, uh, even from the initial script. So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting when you talk timeline, we did have to keep thinking, and maybe this is what you're getting at, uh, we, bound by the rules that we had already set on Breaking Bad, you know, who had met who, who had already, you know, had, does, does, has, uh, does, has Hank already met Saul? You know, could we have the meat for the first time? You know, what, what's the, uh, where, where was Gus, uh, when, when Breaking Bad started, what was the, what was the deal between him and the cartel? Uh, what was the relationship between him and Mike? Really, and how did that start? Those were all things. Those were all things that we talked about a lot. And then, you know, we'd often come up with ideas that we thought were kind of cool. And then we realized, no, we we've already established on Breaking Bad that that can't happen. So yeah. that was that was a, we had to be bound bound by the the rules of the reality that was created. I can't imagine anyone not being on board who was on Breaking Bad to kind of come back. Was there any complications with storylines or talking to actors about where you want to go in different directions? Well, we never. Yeah. You know, um, you look, our cast, we're talking about cast here. They, they are a brilliant bunch and they all have a lot of other things that they're doing and are, are very interested in. And, you know, Bob, first of all, Bob was not, sure about doing the show from the beginning. And uh, I, I, it's his story to tell, not mine. But Vince and I sat down with him uh, at a very nice restaurant and we told him what we had in mind. And he said, this sounds great. But in his, his um, he wanted to be there for his kids. And, and, it's, and so I thank very, very much Nate and Aaron uh, are responsible for the, uh, for the fact that we had a show because they said to him, dad, you should do this. Uh, and he was willing to, you know, sacrifice doing the show so he could stay in Los Angeles and be with his be with his uh, his kids. And uh, they made the family made that sacrifice. I hope they're okay with it now. I know I know I'm really grateful that they did. And then of course with you know with all of the actors, you know we um uh, you know you call up somebody and you say hey you know we'd love to have you back. We call up Giancarlo Esposito. Well, he's done this character. He's done this character very, very well. You know, does he want to return to it? Um, you know, it, it, we talk, have to talk a little bit about it. Uh, Jonathan Banks, uh, you know, he was from the beginning, you know, we knew if we were going to have uh, a spinoff, a prequel, we'd want to have Jonathan Banks back. But, you know, he, Jonathan Banks is very popular. So everybody, you know, I, I, I don't know, nobody actually, you know, threw a drink in our faces when we asked, but um, uh, we didn't take it for granted. And it was a, it was a real honor and privilege to get to bring a lot of these people, folks back to Albuquerque again. 
How do you think about the responsibility, especially of like kind of showing another complete story for Mike and Gus? It, it seems like it's so important to hit those right as much as it is for Saul, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we it's interesting because what you do, a lot of writing is, you know, you set a problem for yourself that seems insoluble and then you have to figure out what you're going to do with it. And so we, uh, you know, we said, well, where are we pick up? We know where Jimmy is. Jimmy Saul is now Jimmy and he's not, he's not Saulish. You know, maybe he's, there's a little bit of Saul in him, but what's his journey going to be? And then uh, the question, what about Mike? Well, we had Mike uh, working in a, working in a parking lot booth. Uh, How does he end up becoming right-hand man to the, you know, the biggest, the biggest drug kingpin in Albuquerque. And that, that, you know, was a, an interesting dramatic problem, uh, especially because the way Jonathan plays Mike, he has a moral compass. And so it, trying to figure out how that guy ended up where he was going to be was actually not straightforward. Uh, and uh, because, I, you know, I, I don't know, Mike's a really complicated character, but I, I He's he's I think he's one of the few characters on the show and in that universe who's really honest with himself mm-hmm. uh, uh, about about what he does. And that was that was a real challenge. And we had to go step by step uh, and think about you know, what they're what they're. And when we started off, we had no idea that we were going to be able to get Giancarlo back or that uh, he would become such a huge part of the show. But we should have. I mean, it would have been should have been obvious. It was probably obvious to you, Rock. <laughs> I think about I think he's talking to to Nacho's dad. It almost seems like Mike is understanding that even though he wants to be a just man, he still is kind of a, a right-hand man. Is that kind of how you see that character? Oh, absolutely. I think Mike knows that his decisions are are terrible. Yeah. Uh, and and I I think I think he's capable of much better. And I think he knows that. And I think that that torments him. Uh, so yeah, I think that's, that's the, uh, that's, that's, that scene between him and, uh, and, and Nacho's dad, um, he wants to, you know, he wants to find a, uh, an area where they can, they can, they can agree or that they, that they can share because they're both fathers of lost sons. And uh, he identifies with Nacho's dad on that level, and Nacho's dad says, "No, you're, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a drug dealer. You're a, you're a criminal, and I, I reject you. And that, that's that's super painful for Mike. But I don't think, in some ways, I think Mike knows that's what he deserves." As you're getting to the end, did you like guys not really know season by season how long the show would be? Did you hope for around five or six seasons? Uh, I think when we started, we thought we'd be lucky to get two or three. I, th- I thought that was, that was, I think I, 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 this, I thought of it anyways, this was going to be kind of an addendum, an addendum to, uh, to Breaking Bad. I didn't really think it was going to end up being sort of a frame around Breaking Bad in some ways. It contains Breaking Bad in a weird way. Uh, we didn't know that. And it was, um, uh, and, and fortunately, you know, we were very lucky that the show was popular enough to keep coming back. Uh, and that was that was not something we took for granted. And there was a point where um, I got the call that every 
<laughs> showrunner would like to get uh, from uh, from uh, the head, the then head of AMC, Charlie Collier, and he basically said, "We really want to keep the show on the air until you guys are done with it. What? How many? How many more? Think about how many more seasons you want, and how many more episodes." Which, of course, is exactly what you want to hear. I mean, that's. I probably will never get. I'm going to remember that call for the rest of my life. It's the greatest compliment you could get to say people are watching and we have faith in you, and uh, you tell us. And at that point, I, I, I thought about well, how many episodes is Breaking Bad? And Breaking Bad was 62. And I said, well, let's do one more than that. Let's just let's top Breaking Bad by one. Uh, and that I don't know that there was a lot more there there was actually a lot of back and forth because uh we the main thing is we really didn't want to overstay our welcome hopefully we didn't or stretch this feel like we had to to kind of uh run in place to fill the number of episodes uh and, it, and you know it's you end up just kind of making a making a guess and and i think the guess turned out pretty well in this case and I forget when this started, but you guys were part of like the mid-season finales that AMC kind of started on. Do you see those like, it seems like all of your mid-season finales and finales have a, a solid ending point. Do you see it difficult to to transition from different, shorter to longer arcs? Or is it just kind of all treading water and it, it's all very similar? Uh, uh, hopefully there's no treading water. That's why I hope. <laughs> I hope we're always swimming forward like like the sharks that we are. Uh, I think we only really did that once. The mid-season finale, I think we only did that once. All the seasons of, of uh, Better Call Saul were uh, 10 episodes until the last one that was 13. And uh, AMC made, you know, they're the programming geniuses. Um, and part of it was too... Uh, Additional, in addition to that, deciding when, you know, what's going to be the most rewarding for the audience, there was just the simple fact that if we had, if they had wanted to show them all in a row, they, um, they would have had to start later because just because of, we had to finish the show, we, you know, we, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work after the, the cameras stop rolling. Uh, I think it worked out really well. I mean, they, you know, ending, Ending the first half uh, with with Howard uh, that that awful awful wonderful scene that uh, Tom Schnauz wrote and directed where where Howard gets shot uh, that felt like a really good place but I would have I would have been very sad if if the show I think the show went away for like six weeks at that point I would have been really sad if there'd been like you know another year that you had to yeah. wait for that. So I think, I think it worked out really well. I mean, they, you know, I, I think there's a lot of advantages. Um, I've never worked on a show where all the episodes um, were available all at once. Uh, I, I, I kind of like the way this worked. I like having, having that, that week between episodes because it gives people time to think about it and talk about it and be part of the conversation. So uh, I was very happy with the way, I mean, you look, how can I have any complaints about AMC? They were supportive up and down, back and forth. They let us do, they let us do episodes in black and white. I mean, it's, it's, they, 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 they really have been terrific. They and Sony have been just terrific. It's definitely a show that like requires your attention. It requires viewers to actually watch it, not to kind of half watch it. When you were coming up with the ending in the writer's room, and I've heard some comparisons. Breaking Bad, I think they came up with the ending, or you guys came up with the ending 
And then he said, oh, this is kind of like the searchers. Were there conversations around the end of breaking uh, the end of Better Call Saul around Westerns or anything like that? Uh, you know, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't remember us referring directly to other shows. There were things that were in my mind. I don't know if they we said them out loud in the room. You know, I, I think we were talking. I was thinking a lot. I'll speak for myself. I don't know what I can't remember what was happening in the room, but um, I was thinking a lot of the end of the third man. Um, I was thinking, you know, you just think about all the endings of uh, uh, movies where there's a, a romance or uh, where there's a little, little tiny, hopefully a little touch ambiguity of where it's going to go. Uh, some of my favorite endings of movies come from uh, the 1970s. You know, I don't think you can do any better than the ending of The Graduate. Uh, and so, or the ending of, uh, uh, the Redford movie, the candidate, uh, where there's just a little, it's very satisfying, but there's just a little bit of an open-endedness to it, I think is, is a very, that's super special for me. And, and, uh, I think we were reaching for that. Hmm. I think that thinking about it now, the the end of flight where Denzel Washington can't tell one more lie and has to kind of confess. There's some of that uh, in Jimmy, but I think Jimmy is only, it's really all about Kim. I mean, would you kind of agree that Kim kind of separates Jimmy versus Saul, I guess you'd say? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, boy, that relationship, but I, I don't, if Kim, if he and Kim hadn't broken up, I, I don't know if he would have ever been uh, hurt enough to become Saul Goodman, <laughs> you know? Uh, so it, it's, it's a double, triple sided, it's, it's a conundrum, uh, and, and hopefully in the best possible way. Cause Kim, I don't think he would have ever been, uh, his best self without her, but I don't think he would have ever been his worst self. Um, uh, if they hadn't had that relationship, I don't think it's her fault. I just think, I just, I think, uh, you know, she, they, and the relationship ended and then she went, and lived a blameless life, maybe too blameless because she wasn't doing any harm, but she sure wasn't doing much good either. And then uh, he went off and became his, uh, his worst self. Uh, and that's, that was, uh, uh, you know, I think that's on him. So I think we're almost at a time um, you've written for brick and bad creator, better call Saul. Now, what advice might you have for novice writers trying to break in today, trying to write stories that are, a little more subtle, a little more human, like these stories. Uh, boy, I, I, I'm, I'm not great with advice. The only thing I'd say is that try to find people um, who are do it, love the same thing that you love, and, and try to try to you know watch movies with them and, and share your your writing and your work with them. And we're also in a in a in a really special time uh, in a lot of ways because now you can make something on your own that's that other people can watch. I mean, you can put it on YouTube. Uh, you know, a lot of us my my a lot of people in my generation, you had to go to film school to get, to get equipment that you now have in your phone. And so I, I think that this, you know, work, do a lot of work, make a lot of mistakes, uh, learn from them. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, Maybe the most difficult thing is to 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 learn from learn from the pain of knowing that you the thing that you wanted to do didn't work. Uh, but also, uh, I think you have to be incredibly tenacious. Not and certainly tenacious to make a living, but I think also tenacious 
to get good at this stuff and to to have your uh, uh, have your work come anywhere near what your hopes for the work are. And, and I think finally you have to take pleasure uh, take pleasure in doing it because that's it's ultimately the doing of it that has to be the biggest the biggest pleasure. Not not all the stuff that you might imagine comes with the doing it. Perfect. That was great. Thanks again for your time. I really appreciate sure. it. Thanks sure. So Thanks, much. Brock. Thanks. Thank nice, you, Brock. Nice Thanks you. so much. Good luck with Daredevil Society. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> appreciate Good it. title. Thank you. Yeah, it's really great. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.